Welcome in to Two Foreign Drafts. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner. Very excited. It's New Year's Eve. Yes. This is the last Two for One Drafts podcast of the 2019 calendar year. We're going into 2020 hot, though. We got a bunch of good things planned for today. Two major segments. You know, Mike dropped in a fantastic article oh. on PFF.com. Perfect draft fits for the 20 non-playoff teams. A ton of fun information in there. I think it's always mock draft season and draft fit season is a good time because you think about the potential of where your team could go with these players and all that stuff. But a lot of it is kind of just fairy tale stuff and a good opportunity to show the types of players that these you know teams. Should that be is after. the thing, though. There is something to the actual type of player that one they need and two that a team seems to go for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, teams do have GMs will have their own sort of what they value highly, sort of their uh, you know past history can predict future picks and what they value. And then also like you know not every edge defender is created the same. Some teams like the Oakland Raiders last year needed a six technique, so they were mm-hmm. going to draft. Cleveland Farrell, they weren't going to draft Brian Burns. That just wasn't going to be an option for them because that's not the type of player they needed. So it's important to know stuff like that, and that's why we're doing fits for these teams that don't have any playoff games to look forward to. Yep. So draft fits will be a nice segment, and then we'll also review some of the top performers from the college football playoff. A ton of big names there. Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson scored four touchdowns, and uh, Isaiah Simmons had a very nice interception. He's a very impressive player. Um, But let's go ahead and get back to those draft fits. So starting with number one, Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals, or Joe Burrow of LSU going to Cincinnati Bengals um, that that would one of the bigger fits and something that will get mocked to Cincinnati all day long. Yeah, I mean he has the he's tied with Kyler Murray now for the highest grade we've ever given, and Kyler Murray got bumped up for some to some degree with his rushing grade. So mm-hmm. tied for the highest grade we've ever given. Likely, I'd say going to break. The, I don't know. Clemson's defense very good, but if he just has any sort of game like he's had all year, Joe Burrow, he's going to break the single season record for PFF grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can basically at this point, throw out anything we've seen before then. He's a different quarterback this year than he was in 2018, than he was at Ohio State. Everyone matures at their own rate, and all of a sudden, Joe Burrow's playing football that, like I said, their starting quarterbacks in the NFL couldn't go to LSU right now and play as good as Joe Burrow's playing. Like, wow. like, like that's just, you're, there's a high end that some guys are capable of, some guys aren't. Joe Burrow has shown he is capable of that lock surefire number one pick whatever this one's easy i keep on getting more and more attracted to joe burrow's play outside of structure like it's oh, like insane <laughs> like i joe, know where you're going with that yeah yeah fair fair i kind of led uh with a different i mean he there. does have a nice hair set of hair true true no, uh, i'm not saying he's not attractive here but yeah. let's talk about you know, that that play out of structure is such an interesting conversation because i think you can get lost in it and get really mm-hmm. excited about it because those are the plays that end up on the highlight reels to the next level but you continue to go back and look at his numbers inside of structure from a clean pocket within two point you know three seconds to throw he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks no the act most yes. accurate quarterback in college football he limp, doesn't put the ball in harm's way pushes the ball downfield high average depth of target we're running out of question marks to find for this guy. that game did a very good job the oklahoma lsu game and obviously we'll talk about this later but i guess we'll touch on it right now they did a very good job of highlighting the difference between a guy who his out of structure play is the primary play jalen hurts that that is his primary sort of like uh production in that mm-hmm. offense versus a guy who has it as a bonus to what he can do in the pocket in joe burrow joe burrow unbelievable in the pocket and then oh yeah if nothing's there he can also make something happen with his like you know extend the play and get something outside of structure jalen hurts basically just if it was, it was coming outside of structure. Yeah. There was not much happening inside of that offense. How bad did Jalen Hurts look in that game? That was a very tough performance. The other, I'm, I'm not surprised. The other it, player here, and these are going to be two player fits for each team. One guy they'll draft early in the draft, and another guy they'll draft later. Jack Driscoll of Auburn. He's a UMass transfer that went to Auburn. Graded really well this year, actually, in the SEC. An 86.7 PFF pass blocking grade. Didn't fare as well in the run as he did at UMass, but still a, a good player. One of those guys you get on day two. 
Yeah, I'm very surprised that Prince Sagawanogo got the Senior Bowl invite and Driscoll didn't. To me, Driscoll's a much better prospect at this point. Uh, has, like I said, multiple years, only eight of pass blocking production at Auburn, at UMass. Only eight pressures allowed all last season. He handled Jonathan Greenard, the guy who, you know, shot up draft boards, the Florida edge defender, as well as anyone handled Jonathan Greenard all season long. Basically didn't give up a single pressure to him in that game. Fantastic performance from him. He's not going to wow you. He's maybe not even 300 pounds, a little on the slighter side, but has good feet. Uh, and they need, Bengals need one tackle help, two guys who can help right away. And, and yeah. I think in the mid rounds, if you're not going at right there at the top, if you're going third, fourth round offensive tackle, Driscoll's about as good as you can get in pass pro. There you go. Let's go to number two, Washington Redskins. I think this pick is obvious. If the Cincinnati one, yeah. Bengals do the right thing and bring in Joe Burrow at number one overall, Chase Young at number two is a no-brainer selection for the Washington Redskins. They take him at two. And as for the later pick, Calvin Throckmorton, the Oregon offensive lineman who's been very good this year, very good for a long time. He has a ton of snaps at Oregon where he's playing at a high level. Both of those players in the trenches helping Dwayne Haskins and company kind of move forward in 2020. Yeah, they have to go O-line, but you can't you can't go old. You can't just reach for O-line no. at two when Chase Young's sitting there on the board. Not so even Andrew Thomas. Is better than you know Chase Young yeah. at this point. I get that you've gone D line for you know three straight years. Sweat, uh, Allen, Payne. You're loaded up on picks in that D line. Hasn't really hit. That's not an excuse to pass on Chase Young. He is a generational type of edge defender. Broke the record for PFF pass rushing grade. Uh, but the later pick, I think, is another one who four year starter in Calvin Throckmorton, a guy who can add uh, probably at guard or center for them right away. Probably guard. He would end up at the for the Redskins plays tackle now for Oregon. But again, a guy who's NFL ready can come in, immediately try to shore up that offensive line uh, and not f- with not having a second round pick in the third or fourth round. So that's sort of guy An 89.5 PFF pass blocking grade for Throckmorton this year. He's earned an 87 plus PFF pass blocking grade each of the last three years. Uh, I'm impressive as a run blocker as well. I, you, know, you have to love the experience. Talk about a guy that can contribute right away. Throckmorton is exactly that. And I think the Redskins, like the Bengals, if you're drafting top two, you need help right away. And I think these two players, yes. both of them, help as soon as possible. J- number three, we're going to the Detroit Lions. This one's interesting because some some are looking at wide receiver potentially. There's you know there's other, you know, certain Detroit Lions faithful wanting to go a different direction than cornerback. But Jeffrey Akuda of Ohio State is incredible. I think this fit makes a ton of sense. And playing man coverage in Matt, uh, uh, Matt Patricia's scheme it, it would be huge. And then the second guy you have here is Terrell Lewis of Alabama, a pass rusher for them, a little bit of an older guy, but with some athleticism for sure. Yeah, I don't want to hear anyone complaining about Jeffrey Okuda yes. getting mocked to the Detroit Lions because I'm going to do it again and again mm-hmm. and again and again until they, you know, they let the world know they're going somewhere else with that pick because it makes too much sense. If Matt Patricia is staying on with the amount of man coverage they play, it requires you to have good man corners. If you don't, like I said, I think I said this on last week's pod, man coverage is a weak link sort of proposition. You are only as good as your worst man coverage corner because that guy is the one who gets attacked every time. So you need as many as you can have if you're playing a lot of man coverage. Okuda, fantastic in man coverage. Like, you know, the best man cover corner in this class. It just makes too much sense. And we've said it before, said it again, corner the second most valuable position on the football field. They would be silly to go anywhere else. You can fake a pass rush. You can blitz more next year and get after the passer. Uh, you don't need to reach for an edge defender here. Get your cornerback. And I think with I don't imagine these top three picks changing a ton in future mock drafts. I think no, Joe Burrow's I, obvious, Chase Young, and then number three, how does Matt Patricia and that Detroit Lions defense pass on a talent like Jeffrey Kuda, former five-star prospect that has great ball production this year, has been great at the catch point, you know, forcing completions. I think he had four in the college football playoff, the first round of the college football playoff. Yeah, He's been was, a very... 
impressive game in and game out. And I think Matt Patricia would jump at the opportunity to bring in a cornerback like Akuda. And as for Terrell Lewis, I think this is a guy that could surprise you on day two that has flashed at times. He's obviously battled injuries as well at Alabama, but he's flashed at times as a pass rusher. I think he's worth a swing of the bat on day two. Yes, Terrell Lewis, uh, set round two, that's where you go get your edge defender. I think someone will fall out of the first round that will be a worthwhile uh, you know, will be an upgrade for them at the edge because, well, I mean, a lot of guys could be an upgrade for them at the edge with how bad they've been this year. And Lewis, the guy we've been on for a while, saw it early in his career at Alabama freshman year, uh, had a very good grade, uh, almost 90 overall grade way back then on a limited number of snaps, but a multiple uh, injury since then. Finally got healthy this year, 85.8 pass rushing grade, 48 pressures, uh, has the length, size, explosiveness to play the edge in the NFL. I, I think that would be a nice fit for them. And the wrap is where I would address that pass rushing woes. Let's go to number four, the New York Giants. They bring in Jedrick Wills of Alabama, an explosive run blocking offensive tackle for Alabama and a guy that also has played well in pass protection. I mm-hmm. think he gets better at the next level. You have to you're in love with his raw tools and his development there. And then as for the later round guy, it's going to be Tyler Johnson of Minnesota, who's hated by some, but liked by others. This is a guy that creates separation game in and game out. He's not the fastest guy. He's not mm-hmm. the biggest guy. But he does a very good job as a route runner. Great releases. I think his drops are more focused drops, not necessarily a problem that you would see in the NFL, you know, blossoming into something a significant issue, similar to like an Amari Cooper who doesn't necessarily attack the ball poorly, but instead has focused drops. I think Tyler Johnson, a a guy, if you can get in the second round, is going to have an immediate impact on your team. I think this Jedrick Wills and Tyler Johnson put Daniel Jones in so much of a better place in 2020. Yeah, I mean, they just can't keep Nate Solder's contract on, on on the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have uh, Nick Gates on the other side of right tackle. You can keep him there. But Nate Solder, 20 plus million dollar cap hit is absurd uh, with how poorly he's played for them. So he's probably gone. Uh, and I would just assume he'd be gone. Jedrick Wills steps in there. He's improved even as the season's gone along. Only one pressure allowed in his last five games here this year. Uh, like you said, his, his combine numbers could be absurd. Like, to, you know, what's Lane Johnson-esque, mm-hmm. I, I would argue this year. Uh, and then Tyler Johnson will fall. I I bet he falls out of the first round because he's not going to test that great athletically. He doesn't have the raw physical tools that some of these other guys have, but top 10 back-to-back years and yards per route nationally, he's produced. Mm-hmm. I mean, the production's off the charts, the route running is off the charts, uh, good after the catch, good before the catch. What's, what's interesting, too, is he's played a lot more in the slot this year, and I think he's given some more you know, free releases in mm-hmm. Minnesota's, Minnesota's offense, but similar to Justin Jefferson, well, I know we'll get him to him later. I was looking, you know, in 2018, played a little bit more outside. You saw a lot more of his releases, and then this year kind of kicked into the slot. I think for to kind of let Rashad Bateman flourish similar to how to let Jamar Chase flourish at, at, at LSU. However, are you saying flourish, 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 <laughs> um, but uh, not flourish. but uh, no, Tyler Johnson, I think still, like you said, the production is there. And yeah. I think you have to you have to fall in love with his separation ability. It's hard not yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, the shake at the line of scrimmage is valuable mm-hmm. like that. That sort of innate. You have it or you don't, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Let's go to the number five team here. The Miami Dolphins, they take two attack of Iloa with the early pick and then bring in Trey Adams of Washington, a guy that you probably would see fall out of the first round. Um, both of these players help Miami very quickly if Tua Tagovailoa can be healthy. That's uh, Tua, the health, whatever. We're going to be tracking that all throughout the spring. But clean bill of health to the Miami Dolphins, that's a no-brainer. 
Trey Adams, though, is an interesting one because Dolphins have so much draft capital. They, they're in that sort of rare position where they can take those risks on some maybe health concerns, guy, on some red flag sort of guys, some high, you know, high floor or excuse me, high ceiling, maybe low floor sort of guys. Trey Adams looks like one of those one of those guys. Two years ago, he would have been a first rounder if he didn't have uh, ACL and then a neck injury. Back to back seasons derailed with injury. Came back this year and we sort of uh, we've documented his struggles. Well, just got murdered by Chase in the bowl yeah. game last year, murdered by Bradley and Nay in that Utah game this year is, does not come without on-field concerns, but again, only a handful of guys, 6'8", with movement skills uh, like that. And Adams, the red flags will drop him out of the first, maybe drop him out of the second. Dolphins, with all their draft capital, should be in a prime position to pick up a guy like that who, you know, if fully healthy, if he you know is all the way back, could be they're, you know one of their best offensive linemen, or not the best from day one. Yeah, let's go to number six, Los Angeles Chargers. They bring in an offensive lineman desperately need offensive line help. The Los Anyone. Angeles Chargers, <laughs> anyone could be good for uh, for no, them here. A, you have Andrew Thomas of Georgia going early and then late. Lucky Fotu of Utah, which is an interesting pick. Lucky Fotu, I think a lot of draft communities kind of fall in love with this guy. He's a big dude, very good against the run, mm-hmm. could potentially push the pocket at the next level, but it's never going to be his strength in my opinion as a pass rusher but a run defender first and a very good one at that that has value if you can do that down and down out if you can do you if you can two gap effectively like Lakey Futu probably can he has value both of those guys in the trenches they Dan Feeney and Forrest Lamp have not panned out they they are still struggling to find offensive line talent in Los Angeles and Sam Tebby's not to you know Trey Pipkins has played okay (laughs) but I would say bad uh if if we had to get um binary literally anyone at number six if the just go top offense tackle available because it's such a good offense tackle class. I don't think you can miss. But the Foto one's uh, a little more interesting because I do think nose tackle, they're just so soft still up the middle of that defense. Just someone to hold the point. Like I, I think once you get to the third, fourth round, you're not going to find a lot of pass rushing defensive tackles. At yeah. that point, just find someone who can hold the point of attack in the run game and let your sort of linebackers, you, you can then let you have smaller, more athletic linebackers. You can play coverage, mm-hmm. you know, or else you're just going to get killed uh, day in and day out. If you still have Brandon Mabane or the, you know, whatever's left of Brandon Mabane playing at center position. He's been playing there for a while now. Yeah. How old is Brandon Mabane? I mean, that's just insane. Let's go to number seven, Carolina Panthers. They bring in another just monster of the, of the midway here, Derek Brown of Auburn, a little bit different like you in that he can rush the passer a bit. He's played well down the stretch specifically. Um, and then you also have interior offensive line, Matt Hennessy of Temple going to them in the later rounds, another double trenches pick for the Carolina Panthers. I think this one's interesting. Yeah, so pair him, Derek Brown, with Kawan Short. They've been looking for the guy. McCoy was good this year, but then obviously Short had uh, the torn, uh, was it rotator cuff uh, on IR all season long. Uh, I think Dontari Poe with his contract right now, he's probably gone. So, and obviously, Gerald McCoy was on a one-year deal. So someone to pair with Kawan Short, keep that defensive line a strength, and again, free up Luke Eakley and those guys to do... Uh, who's the other one there? The Shaq Thompson? Shaq Thompson to do what they do best, uh, chase and run, that sort of thing. So I think that one makes too much sense there in the top 10. And then, like I said, Matt Hennessy, Temple Center, only allowed uh, 14 pressures in three years as a starter there. Matt Paradis, center this year, a little virus bi- remorse, 47 pressures. What happened? He played really well in 2018 and just struggled. Uh, yeah, he had that broken uh, leg, just didn't seem like he came back from it. Just So mm-hmm. that one's concerning. He might just be off. They might just cut him at, at this point. So any sort of depth in the interior, though, would go a long way for the Panthers. Love these next two picks for the Arizona Cardinals. Great fits. Jerry Judy of Alabama and also Lucas Niang of, uh, of TCU, the offensive tackle. This is interesting players for both. I think Jerry Judy instantly adds to this offense. 
I think Larry Fitzgerald comes back for another year. This mm-hmm. guy is never going to stop. But then also you need to continue to add speed. You need speed and explosive ability for this uh, Cardinals offense. And for as long as they keep Andy Isabel on the bench for no reason, bring in Jerry Judy to throw him in the lineup instantly. I think he could be yes. an instant impact player. And Lucas Niang, uh, a developmental prospect, like you say in the article, but also a guy that can play in a very you know moving offense, a guy that, uh, offense that runs a ton of screens against light personnel and stuff. So they're going to be in a great spot to get an offensive tackle there on Cardinals if they want. But in my opinion, a wide receiver, you get a true number when you get Judy or you get Lamb into that offense uh, with Kyler Murray could pay off how about, far how, more. Why, dividends. why aren't we thinking Lamb here? I think Judy is a better one in terms of his slot ability and speed down the football field can do a lot in that offense with how much four wide they run and how much that stress that just could put on safety. So I think Judy's just a little better fit for Arizona. Uh, but I mean, you can't go wrong with either, to be honest. So uh, I think Judy would be excellent there. You get your number one ride receiver right off the bat. Uh, it offers something very different from what Larry Fitzgerald is in the slot right now. And then another offensive lineman who's athletic. Lucas Niang mm-hmm. uh, had the, was it an ankle injury that, or maybe might have been shoulder, I can't remember at this point, who <laughs> ended his season here early. But he's been, he's raw. You look at his pass sets and you're like, God, those are ugly as hell. But he gets the job done. Mm-hmm. Still, he needs to be a, needs to get those a little uh, probably up to speed. But he has the raw tools. 84.8 pass blocking grade. A couple years ago, 86.3 this past season. He's done it as as much as he hasn't had necessarily the best coaching probably uh, in his past sets he's gotten the job done which is encouraging I think if the Arizona Cardinals have an opportunity at eight to put Kyler Murray and CeeDee Lamb back on the same team I think they pull the trigger on Lamb I could see that chemistry just pulling them in I mean fair I, I could I told, but I'm not saying the Jerry Judy pick would be bad but I could totally see Arizona it sounds like the, you're saying the Jerry Judy pick would be bad no I'm not saying it would be bad I'm just saying I think the Arizona Cardinals Kyler Murray on the team pulls the trigger on bringing that duo back together CeeDee Lamb has been very special this year uh, let's go to number nine if Derek Brown does not go early in the draft and they get him at nine this is going to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars yes. for Derek Brown of Auburn and then the later pick Juwan Jennings the guy that has been crazy after the catch. He's forcing a ton of missed tackles, not in the way that you'd expect. I think guys just kind of bounce off him. And he, he's, an, he's an interesting guy in that... I don't know how, how much I love his separation ability, and he's a little bit of a bigger guy. He plays guy. a lot of slot, too. Yeah. He plays a lot of slot, but really good after the catch has value. And that's the thing. It's like he's so damn good after the catch that I think he's going to. And this, the thing I love was he was a quarterback coming out. He was a quarterback recruit at mm-hmm. Tennessee, dual threat quarterback, moved to wide receiver. And now all of a sudden, like he's you see him in the open field and he looks like, you know, a quarterback who's he has that sort of shake that it's tough to teach guys mm-hmm. to be able to break tackles like that. Twenty nine broken tackles on fifty seven. catches. Deontay Johnson, former quarterback, Tyler yep. Johnson, former quarterback. There's a lot of that. It's because uh, you, you put your best, you know, the guy who's the athlete that, you know, the alpha guy in your high school, just mm-hmm. you throw him at QB and let him let him spin. So uh, I, I'm a big fan. Of Juwan Jennings, I think he's probably you know, borderline. Uh, he's probably a. A second rounder for us right at the moment could put he might push his way up with a strong performance at the senior bowl. But then Derek Brown, I think you want to keep strength and strength on that defense. You have that strong defensive line, keep reloading in it. Derek Brown makes too much sense in terms of they just are so soft against the run. And it's another thing of get the guy who can ru- play run defense so you can keep those smaller linebackers behind them and keep them free because that's so important to not have them if your linebackers are worrying about their run fits with you know weak defensive tackles in front of them they're going to get torched in against play action passes Mm -hmm. like if they're worried about that if you're not worried about it you're not going to get torched against play action passes as much makes sense makes sense go number 10 cleveland browns i bet you they did not think they'd be drafting at 10 
in the 2020 draft after what they did in the offseason. But here we are. They bring in Alex Leatherwood of Alabama, the other Alabama offensive tackle. A guy that doesn't get mocked in the first round as often as Jedrick Wills of late, but a still a, a guy that's played very well specifically in pass protection. And as for the later yeah. pick, a guy that is a little bit fun to watch. I'll drop it. I'll drop fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Hamza Nasruddin of FSU, the, the safety there. I think he him coming into that secondary makes sense too. Yeah, so Alex Leatherwood and this offensive tackle class, it kind of reminds So you go back to that... Uh, the offensive class with Laramie Tunsil, Ronnie Stanley, Jack Conklin was at 16, what, where all those guys came out. And they're all right at the top. Uh, Taylor Decker as well, I think it was. Um, he reminds me of the Stanley of that class where it's like he doesn't wow. He doesn't absolutely blow guys off the line of scrimmage like some of the other guys in this class. But his pass sets are so smooth. He's just such a natural athlete that I think his... I don't want to say upside, but I think he has the best tools to succeed in pass pro at the next level of all of these guys. Some guys might be freaker athletes, but he's just so smooth. Only 10 pressures allowed all year long. And that's why going to the Browns, they need a little bit of pass pro at the moment. If you haven't uh, heard or been living under a rock uh, over the last few months. And then a later one, Hamza, Naz- Jeez, Hamza Nazareldine. Uh, basically, their safety position outside of Maris Randall, uh, filling in for Jabril Peppers was pretty cheeks this year. Mm-hmm. It was not good. Uh, you know, Jermaine Whitehead, there was a reason why he didn't even you know stick with the Packers. So it's been bad for them. Uh, he can play the box role, can even fill in a you know, nickel linebacker. He's probably best suited for the, the, big bo- dude, the yeah. box role. He's a big dude. Yeah. Let's go to the New York Jets. They finally pulled the trigger on CeeDee Lamb in this perfect draft fit. Man, Sam Darnold, CeeDee Lamb, Adam Gase, that quarterback whisperer. I, I really do think we're starting <laughs> to see this come together. No, but CeeDee Lamb is such a good He's player, rich. and I, I can't wait. I, I would love to see him go with a young quarterback, similar if it was Kyler Murray or Sam Darnold, because I think he can offer a ton of value early mm-hmm. in the NFL. And then the later pick for the New York Jets, Zach Bond, Wisconsin edge defender that could play off-ball linebacker yeah. at the next level, probably a hybrid role. If the Jets get creative with him, I think he can be very, very good. A steal, almost, I would say, on day two. Have a similar role to what Joe Schobert is for the Cleveland mm-hmm. Browns. I even also see him in a Kyle Van Oy type of role, where you could kind of split edge defender and off-ball linebacker. I think he's the guy, if you get creative with, you get a ton of value out of on day two. Yeah, CeeDee Lamb one is obvious why. It's a no-brainer sort of fit for them. Zach Bond, though, I mean, they tried to sign Anthony Barr last offseason. You know, he Mm -hmm. went back to Minnesota. They almost had him signed. Zach Bond is a very similar size, athleticism sort of guy in that he can play off-ball, but also can rush the passer. If you want him to, had a 90.9 pass rushing grade this past year. He was pretty damn good at rushing the passer even. So, I do think that would be a nice fit for them. Uh, I'm He'll be he's a guy who the senior bowl is going to be huge from. Uh, I want to see if he actually one plays with the edge defenders, goes one on one in the pass rushers and two like just what he weighs in. He's going to show both, up at 230. Right? He'd, probably, he'd probably do both. Do some one on one. Well, if he shows up at 235, you're not you're not rushing past. True. You're, you're true. playing off ball. So, yeah, we'll see. Let's go to the Oakland Raiders at 12. This one, the perfect fit. And if he does fall to 12, Jerry Judy at 12 makes a ton of sense. The Raiders need receiver talent. John Gruden said it in the postseason press conference. We need to address the wide receiver position. I don't know if Antonio Brown's coming to Las Vegas. He said he'd buy Derek Carr's house. I think there's <laughs> maybe that's an option there. But I think Jerry Judy to the Oakland Raiders would be an instant help. He'd be the best receiver on their team by a, by a landslide. And then also the second pick here, Francis Bernard, who, who's graded very well in coverage for Utah. They've been... You know, the Oakland Raiders have been searching for a good coverage off-ball linebacker since Vietnam, since Rolanda McClain. It goes back to where maybe run defense mattered <laughs> at this point. I think, you know, the yeah, Oakland Raiders still need mm-hmm. help at linebacker. They've tried some one-offs. They've tried some older free agent signings. Derek Johnson was on that team for a cup of coffee. I think Oakland Raiders need, um, like, a guy like Francis Bernardo, a guy that can at least play coverage. You know yeah, I mean? these two are fairly obvious. Yeah, a coverage linebacker, uh, I mean... 
uh, you would joke all the time about their linebackers. And when, when you do something, when we were playing flag and you do something bad, you're, you were, uh, to hear whitehead, to hear whitehead. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, uh, not great there. And it's been not great. Like you said, the Judy one, I, I just, the wide receiver class, I don't know how to make heads or tails of where it's going to end up mm-hmm. in terms of last year. They got pushed so far down from where I expected them to be going. You know, I thought, DK could go uh, in the top 20. I thought AJ Brown was a lock for a first round pick. All of a sudden they're all the way down mid late second round. So no clue where this wide receiver class ends up, but at number 12, I mean, it's not crazy to think you could have a choice of one of those top two guys. At yeah. That point still. That would be very interesting if they both, if CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy do slip out of the top 10, because I think mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of teams could jump at that. But however, if you're able to grab one of those players on the back end there, I think that's going to be something you sprint the card in for. Mm-hmm. Let's go to 13, the Indianapolis Colts, another receiver, T Higgins of Clemson going with the early pick. And then Jordan Love, if he does slip into day two, yeah. I think this is very, very smart. Jacoby Brissett, not the answer, not the long-term solution. Frank Wright popped him up for as long as he could, but it's time to bring in a quarterback that can maybe play above expectations maybe reach a ceiling that you need to win in the NFL. Jordan Love is that. Yeah, I mean, you can do worse than Jacoby Brissett, but also you can do much, much better. And I think you're going to have to take some shots at doing much better at that position here in the upcoming draft. I don't think Herbert is the guy had to be taking that shot on yeah. at 13. That just seems it just seems high to me for what we've seen from him throughout his career. I'm going to try to get a guy like T. Higgins who... I feel very good about translating to the NFL and it's basically what what they wanted them Funches to be in that offense uh, when they added him with some big playability as well. And then the love pick, like I said, owning that Redskins second rounder was a fleece of a trade that they made last year uh, to get the 30 was now the 34th overall pick in this draft from that uh, will be huge. And that that's where I that's kind of the range I see Jordan Love going it is the late first, early second. And he's, you know, has developmental tools to where that could be your guy in the future. 14 Tampa Bay Buccaneers are taking off and tackle Josh Jones of Houston, a guy that's going to be at the senior bowl has a huge opportunity to impress scouts there. I think he's going to get continue to rise up boards. He's going to be a guy that everyone's mocking in yes. the, the teens of the mock, of mock drafts moving forward. And then also as a later pick Ashton Davis, former high hurdler, the track star, the guy has a ton of range for Cal. I think he had a very good game against Oregon. I think if you want to watch Ashton Davis turn on the game against Oregon, I think that was an impressive game for him. He's also willing to hit, which I think when you mentioned former high hurdler, former track star, you kind of get reservations about is he soft, mm-hmm. but no. I, I, I do think he's a hard nosed player as well. A guy with range that can hit. I think he's the guy that fits in the NFL. Yeah, we've been fans of him, mocked him as high as first, but I mean, he could last to the mid second. That would be ideal for them. But the offensive line is the one where Bruce Arians offense, deep drops, deep downfield passing concepts. You cannot afford to let that O-line take any sort of step back. Mm-hmm. And, and DeMar Dotson, 34 years old, an impending free agent. I think you just have to address that tackle position with, you know, Donovan Smith being fine on the other side, not good by any means, but fine. You need some quality play there still at the tackle position. Josh Jones, for my money, would provide that. I think a target for Tampa Bay, too. If Anthony Costanzo doesn't retire, is Anthony Costanzo in the offseason bring in somebody that can act. A lot of money. Like, we we say this every yeah. time, though. Like, yes, they need to address the tackle position. But Josh Jones, even if it's good as Josh Jones is going to be, is not going to be great as a rookie. Maybe not even mm-hmm. fantastic in year two. Sure. I think if Tampa Bay wants to hold up and continue to keep, you know, Flamus Winston going, they're going to need to bring an off tackle that can be well, good. They want to you, in year you one. The Bruce Aaron's quote said, if we can win with him, we that can win with was a such a was such a uh, accurate quote, but also so hot I, it was yeah. it was crazy if we can win with James Winston we can win with any that was that, guys, that yeah. was good uh Denver Broncos at 15 let's go to this next fit here Isaiah Simmons of Clemson Vic Fangio's defense like yeah, sign me up. just we, sign we, me we, off yeah we've talked about this one a lot that one's just Fangio with a weapon like that 
Well, too perfect. Yeah. Like if you're a football fan, you should want to see that. I want to see a Martindale too. A Martindale apparently mm-hmm. getting some head coaching options. I think yeah. uh, that would be another good defense to see Isaiah Simmons in. But then the later pick for the Denver Broncos at 15 here, it'd be Paulson Adebo of Stanford, a guy that uh, has played well at times. I think he started off the year very good, but he's also got burnt a handful of times. I think you yeah. said it was sloppy feet, right? If, if, you're, yeah, you're, if you're playing press man with Paulson Adebo, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Let him play in off coverage and let him look at the quarterback and the receiver and let him make plays. Mm-hmm. You're gonna. He's a guy you're gonna. His give feet up. get tangled, and yeah. he he struggles with. Gonna that. Yeah. give up some big plays down the football field, but he's also going to pick off you know four plus passes a year probably for his career. He's just yeah. that type of player. Uh, that those type of instincts extremely long. Great at the catch point. Thirty two combined picks and pass breakups in two years at Stanford. That's pretty wow. good. Atlanta Falcons at 16. First pick here, Christian Fulton, the guy that you should be playing press man with at the next level. And yeah. then Trey Smith, interior offensive lineman of Tennessee, has had some health issues. But, I mean, if, if Trey Smith can, like, stay healthy at the next level, I mean, this could be a very good player in the NFL. Yeah, they have second-rounder Isaiah Oliver. He was a starter this past year. It's similar to the Eagles conversation. Yes, you started a guy who was a high draft pick. Did he play well? No. Desmond Trufant's only getting older, too. Yeah. Well, Desmond Trufant's fine on one side, but you play in the... You play in the South. You, you yeah. play in the NFC South. You play against Jameis Winston, heaving the ball. If you play against Drew Brees, carving people up. Kyle Allen. Need to, <laughs> and it's Kyle Allen. But you, yeah, you need cornerbacks. Go get you one of the top guys. Christian Fulton's on the board. I'd be hard-pressed to pass that up. And then interior offensive line's still a mess. Right. I mean, they signed James Carpenter this year, and he was awful. Like that that whole uh, two guys that they drafted in the first round last year, even if they take massive steps forward, are still not going to fix that offensive line. You need more talent in there. Trey Smith. Huge, much different player down the stretch. I think from something like week four on, he was the second highest graded guard in all the country. Uh, second round, third round, that's probably where I'd target Trey Smith. I, I'd strongly encourage all those that are interested in Christian Fulton to watch every snap of that uh, Alabama game. Because I think he, he went against rugs a ton. And I think you saw a lot of what a very fast, crafty release receiver can do against Christian Fulton. But it was like back and forth the entire game. Mm-hmm. I think it was it was one of the better games for Christian Fulton. Because I think he goes against a lot of bad receivers in the SEC. I mean, he has a couple matchups where he just wins outright. But that Henry Muggs matchups, I think, exposed a couple things with him. But then also, you see how he can bounce back and how he can recover a lot of recovery speed mm-hmm. in that one. I think that game is a game to watch. I, and, I, and we've also, so we've been pumping, you know, uh, what's his face? His tires, the freshman, Derek Stingley. Yeah. Derek Stingley's tires over the course of the year. Uh, Stingley had something like uh, 90 targets on the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fulton was only in the 50s. He had 40 fewer targets yeah, yeah. than uh, Derek Stingley did. And he played left cornerback. Fulton did for the majority of the season. Stingley on the right side. You as a right hand, most right hand quarterbacks, you're going to throw yep. to the left cornerback more. So, they they not only didn't throw into him more, and when they did throw into him, they didn't do a lot of success. So that, and I think that's where uh, why it's really important in the evaluation too, is watch more than just the targets, because I think mm-hmm. you see a lot when when you watch more than just the targets, see how they do against you know, because more often than not, like you said, they're throwing the left side, but I think that you got to go and watch those routes too. Dallas Cowboys at seventeen. Let's speed through this here. Grant Delpit of LSU, the early pick. I think this is going to be mocked to the Dallas Cowboys a ton, and and then you also have Bryson Hopkins, the tight end of Purdue, going a little bit later. I know Trevor Sikkema of the Draft Network was a big fan. Of Bryson Hopkins, he's struggled a bit from a drops standpoint. Yes, but uh, I think Grant Delpit is the fit I like the most here. I uh, yeah, I mean Grant Delpit, not a lot, not a ton of safety needy teams towards the top of the gra- draft. Excuse me. So I think he could feasibly slip. Cowboys 
definitely qualify as safety and ED. I'd say uh, just any sort of playmaker on that defense too, since they obviously might be losing Byron Jones this offseason as well. So some talent uh, along that defense. He is a playmaker. I, I think he can be a playmaker right off the bat. Now he's going to miss some tackles. You're going to have to live with that. But I think he has that sort of ability. The Hopkins one is interesting though to me because he has field stretching ability at tight end position. Now he's not the hands is an issue, mm-hmm. but compared to Jason Witten, who maybe won't drop a pass, but isn't going to get open past five. The yards opposite on the of field, field stretching ability. <laughs> <laughs> he has field shrinking ability. Yes. He literally, it looks tighter uh, on the football field and Jason Witten there. So it would be, I think bug creates more separation <laughs> than Jason Witten on the football field. Prove me wrong. Prove me bug wrong. Does better after the, the catch seat. at the least. Bug in the, seat the mobile, the bug mobile runs a better crossing yeah. route than Jason Witten. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Bryson Hopkins, just any sort of, like I said, field stretching ability in that Cowboys offense will, Help. I mean, Grant Delpit, too, just adding to it. Or do you think they're going to retain Byron Jones? I think they have to, but I think he could be the odd man you out got him in Cooper Dallas. I know. I know. And, and Zico, if they, they, but they, they literally can't let Amari Cooper go. They trade a first round pick for him. It can't be a one and a half year rental. I, I, I don't know. It's it, it's interesting what the Dallas is going to do this offseason. I think Grant Delpit, though, would be one of the smarter ones. Let's go 18. Pittsburgh probably Steelers. Given Zeke $90 million this is probably what they shouldn't have done. Early pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Troy Die of Oregon, a guy that's played very well in coverage. Rangy, always attacking the ball. I think he's a physical guy. I mean, hard-nosed dude. I think linebacker position is interesting. You want guys that are high energy like that, frenetic, that can kind of be always be around the line of scrimmage. And I think Troy Die, good in coverage, athletic enough to stick with people. I think he's a he's a guy. Yeah, I'll say Die is interesting. I love the fit because he is almost the opposite end of good coverage linebackers of Devin Bush in terms of Bush, extremely fast, can stick with anyone. Not a lot of uh, sort of not a lot of length, not a lot of height, you know, mm-hmm. only uh, under six foot tall die doesn't have those freakish physical tools in terms of speed, straight line speed, but six foot four, very long, mm-hmm. can play press against tight ends. You almost have match. You can almost play matchups with them in terms of when you're playing. Testing will be interesting. Bush, for him. Bush can guard Bush and guard your running back die on a tight end. Mm-hmm. And that's perfect matchup for both of them in terms of what they do best. So uh, Troy die. Uh, Obviously, just anyone in there to replace Mark Barron would be an upgrade. <laughs> Mark Barron has been rough this year. The later pick, the later fit for the Pittsburgh Steelers is Josh Uchi of Michigan, a guy that has has won as a pass rusher a ton this mm-hmm. year. I think if you watch his reps closely, though, he does win with a lot of inside moves. He doesn't win a ton outside. You don't see a, a ton of variety in his pass rush wins, but there's some raw tools there that people are going to want to jump on. So the Steelers have been one of the toughest teams to mock for in the past couple of years because they don't have super glaring needs. Like they mm-hmm. have a fairly complete roster. Now they might not be great at every single position, yeah. but they don't have needs along the roster, but they do have some guys hitting for agency this year. Javon Hargrave being one, Bud Dupree being another, uh, some big names that they'll have to resign. If I were to pick, between you think the two, they have I would, to resign Bud Dupree. I was going to say, if I were to pick between the two, I'd, I'd resign Javon Hargrave. So at that point, that's why I said Josh Uchi makes sense for them in Michigan. I don't think he's going to be a first rounder at his size shade under two fifty. But stunt a lot with their edge guys in Pittsburgh. He's great on that. Has that speed and athleticism to get home quickly on stunts and can play coverage as well, which they asked them to do a lot in that defense. So that's why it's a good fit. I think there's an article coming up on PFF.com. But also, that has and, to and the Steelers don't have a first rounder again. These, yeah. these next three teams don't have first rounders. So that's a third round sort of Uchi, I think could make sense. I think an article that has to come out on PFF.com is looking at Bud Dupree's rise this year because he's graded a lot better. He's played better. You know, he's better yeah. pass rush win rate, but he has struggled a ton. In, in, in previous crazy. years. I think, yeah, yeah, we need to look at kind of it dive into that. It feels like to further. me, remember when like Nick Perry had that breakout year yes. for the Packers mm-hmm. and where it's like, 
uh, it just doesn't seem like it's recency bias is yeah. going to have them throw like 50 mil at the guy. But I would just you, be so wary. To yeah, do that. I agree. Let's go to 19 Chicago Bears. They don't have a first round pick, but the early pick for them, Bradley and a of Utah guy. That's not going to blow the doors off you from an athleticism standpoint. This isn't Brian Burns, but no. a very technical, polished prospect that I think offers value very early. In my opinion, I think I think I've seen some mocks yeah. for the Ravens. I think he'd be a very interesting player for the Baltimore Ravens defense. And the second guy, I'm going to go out and say this. This guy won't, might be one of my favorite players in the NFL draft that is not going to go in the round in round one. Logan Sternberg of Kentucky Stenberg. has some of the mo- oh Stenberg. I always call him Sternberg. <laughs> I know. I, I want it's like Sternberg last year. Logan Stenberg of Kentucky is one of the nastiest, meanest oh, he players. Is, I, he is so fu- I was watching a lot of Lynn Bowden, and yeah. I think he just pops off the tape. He's just burying kids left it uh, left and left and right. And Logan Stenberg will be at the senior bowl. I think he's going to I'm not going to I'm putting over under at point five, maybe one, but he's going to get in a fight or two. I mean, he's got to be. He's one of those players. I was going to say, I think Stenberg led the led the FBS in pancakes that had like no impact on the play. Like he doesn't pancake <laughs> the guy like when the running backs running past him, he's pancaking him when the running backs like 10 yards. Which you have field, to respect. And he's like still trying to drive this D lineman into the dirt. Which, yes, that's I mean, offensive linemen, offensive line coaches in the NFL. Uh, they're they're going nuts for that shit. So, mm-hmm. uh, but the edge rusher, like second, no first round pick. The chances of you getting a guy in the second round who is immediately going to be an upgrade quarterback is just. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think that's where you address it. Deep quarterback for agency or trade market. That's where you address it if you're the Chicago Bears. And so at that point, just maybe I'm going to cross from Khalil Mack. You know, yeah. Khalil Mack is doing a lot on his own off the edge there. And the game teams can game plan for him mm-hmm. and ship and that sort of stuff. And they're not making them pay with another edge rusher. Leonard Floyd, just not that guy. 39 pressures this past year on 442 pass rushing snaps. That's, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Not good whatsoever. So address it. Get someone else in there, even if it's just for a third down roll. Bradley and A after the first round is probably going to be your best bet in terms of immediate impact. That'd be a great second round pick for the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. Let's go to uh, 20 here. Los Angeles Rams early pick. Tyler Biotish of Wisconsin later picked Daryl Daryl Taylor of Tennessee. Talk to me about Biotish first because he's a guy not necessarily took a step back this year, but mm-hmm. I think he had an opportunity to really cement himself, cement himself, cement himself as a top pick in this class. But I think maybe shifting to that day two range after this year. Yeah, he just doesn't have that raw power that you want. And then out of an interior offensive line. I mean, he's not a mover. He's not a people mover, but he's very technically sound. I think he's very quick off the line of scrimmage and a very good fit for outside zone teams. Ergo. Los Angeles Rams, they've mm-hmm. missed a lot in terms of just that interior offensive line fell apart. Uh, and they, they really, they're not going to be able to, I would guess, address the tackle position yep. this year with Andrew Whitworth, you know, uh, hitting for agency. They're probably not going to get a guy at, you know, this, at 20. How bad is that offensive line going to be next year? That's the thing. Our latest yeah. offensive line rankings that dropped today on PFF.com had him worse than the Bengals at 31. You That's either have to sign a free agent tackle, which they really don't have a ton of cap space, or. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do with tackle position, but I think if they can bring the back CJ Anderson, have him put on a little bit, well, a couple, like maybe 10 or 15 more pounds. He doesn't have the length to play tackle. Uh, well, he did interior he, guy also, but yeah. All right. Neither does <laughs> Jonah Williams. All right. Here we are. Um, let's go to college football playoff breakdown. That's going to be the next segment here. That was great, by the way, on the on the draft fits there. I think that was gotta, great. We have to continue to do more of the draft fit stuff because mm-hmm. I think it gives you more of an opportunity than just a first round mock to get some more fits and you know, players tied to certain teams. I think there are obvious fits that we're going to see all draft season long in the mm-hmm. top five, but as you get into like the second and third round and talk about players that they could attack in the later rounds is important, especially for the Bears fan bases, the Rams, the Steelers that don't have a first round pick. Talk about my team, too. I agree with that. I yeah. think they, they need some help there. Let's go to the college football playoff breakdown. We're going to talk about some top performers here. We already touched on them a little bit, but just give me just give me the 
chef's kiss finish here on Joe Burrow and just how incredible that game was for him. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was spectacular. And <laughs> we like saw it coming. It was just, you knew it was going to happen. Like mm-hmm. he was going to show up and absolutely bury Oklahoma's defense. He buried Alabama's defense. Mm-hmm. He buried Florida's defense. I had people telling me, you're sleeping on Oklahoma's defense. I was, no, you're sleeping on Joe Burrow, not realizing that this guy is a different caliber of quarterback than anything we've seen before mm-hmm. in college football. So, yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't out of this world perfect football. Like we've seen more perfect games, but it was pretty damn close. Yep. Absolutely. Let's go to Justin Jefferson, a very polarizing prospect that I think a lot. Some people are mocking in the first round. Some people, Tom McShay has been in the first overall in his draft board, I think yeah. 17 or something along those lines. What's funny is we're texting back and forth during that game. Justin Jefferson is a name I brought up to Mike as a guy that I kind of liked when he was playing more outside receiver at LSU, a guy that, you know, inconsistent, uh-huh. but s- s- created separation at times. I, I liked a couple of his contested catches and then he moves to the slot and he blows up from a production standpoint. Yeah. People are jumping on the bandwagon. The hype trains roll. And flags are being flown and but we text every time they play he pl- gets so much of his production against off coverage holes in zone and, mm-hmm. and some of that so much so much of that is just schemed production it's hard to call it like wide receiver win and, and the thing is he's been i don't want to say unsustainably good he has he's incredible his ball skills are great and, yes. and that's why we're still fairly high on him I, i'd probably say he is a day two guy for us at this point. Like he's, that's still being high on a wide receiver, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to get aboard the first round hype train because like you mentioned, so, so many of it is, uh, so much of it has been not separate, not necessarily separation driven production. Mm-hmm. A- and he, uh, he's just one of the big, he's one of the biggest beneficiaries, probably the biggest beneficiary of the sort of change in, uh, scheme there the at improvement LSU of Joe Burrow. I mean, ball placement Burrow. for him has been fantastic. Uh, he his numbers have been hugely beneficiary from that, but he has been very good in contested situations this season. I'm not not going to take that away from mm-hmm. him whatsoever. He's, his ball skills are great. I'm working on a piece right now for PFF.com that should come out Thursday, looking at Justin Jefferson a little bit closely, looking at his production at outside receiver in 2018, and also his production in the slot, looking at that difference between mm-hmm. what he did against tight man coverage and pretty much in all of 2018, and then what he did against a lot of this. Off zone 2019. Looking at this, two year numbers, looking at two year total, 2018, 2019 combined, he ranks ninth in yards per route run from the slot among all qualifying college uh, wide receivers. He ranks 10th in yards per route run from outside. So it, yeah. there is production there at outside. Mm-hmm. However, he does have a very high percentage of contested targets and a, he has more yards on crossing routes and in routes than any receiver in the country. Yeah. And a lot of those are coming against off zone and it's yeah. stuff where he's finding these open holes. I will say this though, and I think this is a legitimate pro when you're evaluating a receiver craftiness against zone to find those holes, to put yourself matters. in a position to get open and, and, and create an open window for your quarterback matters a ton. I think yeah. it's something that you have to value put in that pro side not as valuable as the separation i would say but still very valuable justin jefferson interesting guy i agree with mike not buying the first round hype for him but i think day two day three he's a guy that i think could instantly be a very good slot receiver at the next level just knowing the experience he has and what he's done with joe burrow Mm -hmm. next here other top performer, Jalen Hurts. Not, not a top performer. Not, not a pro- top performer. <laughs> a notable performer, we'll yeah. say. Yes. And like I said, it was nothing in rhythm for Hurts, basically, in this game. Uh, and then once it got away from him, it just it gets away from him. You, you're so many throwaways, so many sacks. Like, he's, he's just not a mm-hmm. going to run a quick passing offense to the NFL. You're going to have to live with that. Uh yeah, I, I mean, this was this highlighted a lot of his inconsistencies, and it's mm-hmm. what you worry about with him transiting to the next level. 
All right, next guy here. Let's move forward from Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts too. A ton of people want to get on board. I think they, I think some I, 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 being on radio hits. I think some of the guys asked me like Jalen Hurts. He's going to be a guy that gets an opportunity now that the NFL knows Lamar Jackson will work. Mm. They are not even close to the same athlete. Yeah, I had a. I had one of my buddies text me. He's like, is there any chance Jalen Hurts gets drafted to play another position? I'm like, I don't think he's athletic enough to play another position. Yeah, you've said like, that, too. You think Joe Burrow's faster than Jalen Hurts. You've said that to me <laughs> I, I think he off might. camera. And I think I think, I think could Joe be right. Burrow I mean, watching that game. Faster 40 than yeah, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, watching that game, I think there's some there. Like, if his, if he'd play another position, it'd probably be like H-back. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. That's, he's not... I don't know. He's, he's not fast enough to, for me to be like a running back or switch to safety yep. or I don't know, whatever else you want to play. CD lamb had a splash play in that game against LSU. I think he's the guy that is, is battling with Jerry Judy for the wide receiver one slot on PFS consensus board. But as we get closer, I, I'm starting to lean the size, the, the ball skills, what, what he's able to do down the field. Yeah. He's very good after the catch. I think he's going to run well, obviously CD lamb might be, and, and he's doing it outside receiver beating that some of those mm-hmm. coverages though in the big 12, you don't into a lot of teams that play press man and I think uh, I, I would like to see some of those reps but CeeDee Lamb I think yeah I mean the catch against Stingley hard. was pretty sick yes it, it was Stingley's guy's good ball skills has length to you know get to the catch point and Lamb just you know sunned him so mm-hmm. uh, that that's the type of reps that you don't really see a ton from from Judy yep. that gets you worried because you don't see uh, Judy's either wide open or uh, they're not throwing on the ball usually yeah, yeah. in Alabama often so that's what we've seen from Lamb that we really haven't seen from Judy but yeah, I mean, Lamb, not a ton of question marks at this mm-hmm. point from him. Best two-year yards per hour run average from the slot, though, does belong to Jerry Judy over the last two years. He's been very good from Second. the slot. Second guy would be Tyler Johnson of Minnesota while I still have those slot numbers pulled up. Let's go to the next guy, Isaiah Simmons. Dude, I, I, okay, I got to cool. admit, I was up late last night. Okay, your mom made me leave her house early, and I had to go back home. And I, I was watching some Isaiah. Really I know, and it's weird, it's and it's weird, old. and it's a change I have to adjust to. <laughs> but Isaiah Simmons, man, is it, it, such an impressive player, and the positions he can play. And I yeah. think it, it, you, ESPN put up that graphic that was great, where he showed yeah. outside corner, slot corner. But like, so this is the thing I had with Duran James. He could play a ton of positions, which I think speaks to that positional versatility. But I also think there's this like role versatility that Isaiah Simmons and Derwin James bring to the table, and that he can, in addition to playing edge defender, can rush the passer and, and, and play the run. I think he had a, a handful of great plays where in these different roles, in these different alignments, doing so well in Clemson. And and he might be bigger, faster, maybe even more athletic than Derwin James. This guy is such a rare breed, in my opinion. I don't think he's more athletic than Derwin James. He's going to okay. go out there and say that. He is fast. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has those movement, the change of direction skills. That Derwin James is rare. I, I, I've struggled to compare anyone to Derwin James, but Isaiah Simmons is also rare. Yeah. This dude's a freak legitimately was catching up to J.K. Dobbins on that long touchdown run, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, this is a linebacker catching up to a, you know, probably a running back going around the 4-4. So Isaiah Simmons can do some special things athletically, and they play they play what I think that comes to defense where the sort of NFL game is going in terms of you want four or five guys that can line up box, slot, deep, and do all those roles in coverage. Like the Ravens. Any given, yes, any given play, any given down, and just quarterbacks don't know where they're going to go. You can have a guy mm-hmm. like him line up, you know, on the line of scrimmage, then all of a sudden runs to the deep middle safety what those defense- and, and do different things yeah. that uh, you couldn't do, you know, 20 years ago because he got, had these such defined roles mm-hmm. in terms of where a guy was going to line up. I think that's going the way of uh, the dodo in terms of you just need guys that can go anywhere on mm-hmm. your defense at any time. What, what those defenses are doing, in my opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, that's how I'm looking at it, is they're just trying to get more athletes on the football field. And I think with the Baltimore 
Baltimore Ravens the way they're doing that is they have two very big, literally fat yeah. defensive tackles that can two gap all day long up front, and that allows them to have some of those versatile players play on the back end and have you know a yes. guy that can play the safety and linebacker. I think that's exactly what Clemson's doing as well. I think you put put more guys that don't weigh over two hundred fifty pounds on the football field. Try do your <laughs> best to do it. That's what I was getting at with like the Derek Brown fit to the Jaguars. It's mm-hmm. like when you have undersized linebacker when you have guys that you when you don't want to worry about them in run defense yeah you can there's only a handful of defense tackles that are going to really affect the pass game game in and game out so if you don't have one of those guys get you someone who can just absolutely plug the run and make sure the that the guys behind them are clean don't have to take on blocks you don't have to worry about their run defense all they can do is worry about coverage and then you can do a lot of different things with them when you have a guy like Isaiah Simmons who can like I said line up in the box but also then all of a sudden he goes and plays safety and the guy who was lined up at safety comes down and plays linebacker you can run different coverages from you can full quarterbacks more so nowadays than you ever could before with those sort of players. Let's move on to the next player here. Talk to me about Parnell Motley, a yeah. guy that plays the ball in front of him very well, but maybe it was not twice. It, yeah. Two, two hit routes. He just absolutely throttled down on, mm-hmm. uh, was it against chase that he got yep. both those and they were pretty nice pass breakups. Uh, you know, he didn't allow big play over top, but he is, I, I think that's where he's limited is just when you are one-on-one straight line speed, I just think he might run the four sixes. That, that's where really that I, bad. I think he might be. I, I, I always struggle. Uh, he needs to, to sign with an yeah. agency that can help him get into the four fives. Yeah. Cause if he's even thinking about four sixes, that's a problem. Yeah. But the speed is the issue with him, but he is real good within the first 10 yards uh, at outside corner. How valuable is that though? I, I think every oh, year I know. And, and here's the thing. So, and, and this might be kind of rude, but a lot of draft pundits watching a ton of film on broadcast, these cornerbacks that play so many things up in the uh, 10 yeah. yards and, and dominate, it's easy to better. fall in love with them. It's yeah. easy. Like, I think I kind of fell for it a little bit when early in the draft process last year for Ham Cheevers. He played so, yeah. he played things in front of him so well. And I was like, oh man, he's breaking on slants. This dude's a star. Yeah, I love Mike Hughes because he was so good around mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. But and, yeah. And, and DeAndre Baker too had, had a lot of those plays. And I think then you turn on the tape and you watch all of his targets of 10 plus air yards down the football field. And you're like, oh my gosh, he's getting toasted every single time. And, yeah. and that's where those routes are more valuable and there's those snaps for the cornerbacks are way more valuable if you lose those it, yeah it's, a it's like the different you if you're really good at the line of scrimmage you turn a uh five yard gain to a zero yard gain mm-hmm. if you're really uh good downfield you turn a 30 yard gain to a zero yard gain yeah you turn a touchdown yeah into a zero yard gain which so is way more valuable exactly I, I mean you see jamel dean do that a ton i mean yeah. he's got a good enough speed to be down the football field limiting those big plays limiting big plays is very important at cornerback position it can't really get understated talk about a guy who can jeffrey akuda four force incompletions um against clemson i think he as played, advertised yeah as advertised he's, he's yeah. a very good I, I i love when he's targeted like when mm-hmm. jeffrey akuda is targeted he's just such a good job of limiting what the what the receiver can do they're you know that that Clemson offense for the vast majority of season was like an outside they're kind of the opposite of LSU is they worked down the football field and mm-hmm. outside they did not get they, they did not get a lot of their passing no. production down the football field and outside in this game is you know screens over the middle of the field that sort of stuff because of Jeffrey Cooley in the highest state cornerback so yeah he was he was very good 10 targets in the game only 47 yards on those 10 targets that's a very good number with those four forcing completions like you said let's go to the last guy here I just want to touch on him uh, Chase Young a very bad game five total pressures oh 75.8 passers great just doesn't make any sense no Chase Young did not no, play was, well but I uh, play well was, compared to 
what he does every yeah, other was, week. He was getting chipped. Every, exactly. They were they they knew Chase Young not going to completely disrupt our game plan that we're going for. Uh, they basically they made it a point, mm-hmm. and and if they Young didn't, it would have been bad. Yeah. And he still won a few times even after he was mm-hmm. chipped. So it was pretty. It, it was. I I, think I saw some. I think I saw some Ohio State fans that say he completely got silenced and all this stuff. It's like, dude, they legitimately prepared an yes. entire game plan to limit him, and he yeah. still earned. I mean, the whole the, the Trevor Lawrence running stuff was basically to sort of get his eyes so they can't just take off and fire mm-hmm. off on you know uh the pass Trevor Lawrence is faster to, than Jalen Hurts basically change what honest. they're looking that at that guy's yeah. got some serious speed Dude, he, he looks like pretty that's... fast on the sideline the Lamar Jackson jokes were funny but I mean he wasn't he wasn't slow that was that was some speed there yeah that was that was what that can't was he do what can't Trevor Lawrence do uh, that's gonna do it for the two for one drafts podcast remember you can find us on YouTube on Tuesdays and Thursdays we are gonna have a Thursday podcast this week I know we didn't have one yes. last week we're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Uh, thanks again. Looking forward to Thursday. This has been Austin Gale, Mike Brenner, Two Four Drafts.